He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Your dreams were your ticket But now it's time to come home. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams have remained and they've turned around. Who'd have thought they'd need you? Who'd have thought they'd need you? Back we need you. We need you here between now and uh, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, actually, every weekday morning, 7 to 10, the Watchdog Morning Show. Good morning. Welcome to the program. It is 59 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 58 at the Highlands, 60 in Elm Grove, 58 here at the Robinson Otter Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Going to be cloudy, high today around 68. Tomorrow, pretty much the same thing with maybe some showers in the morning. Uh, same thing on Thursday, showers in the morning, maybe a rumble of thunder hither and yon. Uh, cloudy, uh, high of 68 on Thursday. The good news is the weekend will be sunny and we'll be in the mid to low 70s, maybe pushing a little bit higher uh, come the tail end of the weekend. It's currently... As I said, roaming right around 60 degrees here. Uh, I mentioned earlier our friends Bill and Carol Sykes are in uh, Scotland. And they sent me a picture today, Bob, of uh, a guy in a kilt. Now, it's not because they want me to see his legs, but rather the kilt is the Monroe Clan Tartan. Maybe I should wear a Monroe Clan Tartan kilt. I think you'd be, look good in a kilt, Howard. I should give that a try. Teddy keeps wanting a kilt. Pretty easy uh, standing there at the urinal, you would think. Well, it would make things a lot easier. You know, sometimes I have a little trouble with that. So, you know, and I go a lot. So that's a good idea. Thank you to Bill and Carol for sending that to me. Bob, what did you, what if anything did you, I found the interview with uh, Brad McElhinney about Governor Justice Financial Report really interesting. Uh, It does, it really just confirms a lot of what we knew. He owns a lot of stuff but doesn't have a lot of money. It, and I almost jumped in because I wanted to ask Brad this question. Now, we knew a couple months ago that there was property up for auction because of back taxes. That's right, and, and it and was he, auctioned off. Yeah. And he was going to take a beating on that. People were going to come in and buy that property up for just what the governor owned on back taxes. And I wonder if anybody kept track of that, Howard, how much of the accumulation of that property was gone and how much of a beating he took on that. I, I, I saw that number somewhere, but I couldn't remember what it was. But he, you're right. The, I, I'm picking numbers here. Don't quote. piece of property was valued for 100000 It might have gone for forty. So to answer your question is, what went through my mind was this. Hey, Bray, I got a little problem here with these back taxes. I'm going to let these go for pennies on the dollar. Can you help me? redeem them, and then I'll take care of it later when I can finish uh, fix up the, uh, my financial problems. But I really don't want that property to slip away. Uh, what Bob is talking about in the financial disclosure report the governor filed uh, late last night, the Senate financial disclosure report, two interesting debts on there are two promissory notes, loans. Uh, they, they give a range. So between $1 and $5 million each to Bray Carey. You all remember Bray? Uh, owner of WTRF and all of those groups at one time. Your state, your town, yes, uh, your four yes, crap, Mr. Right? Slider, long before you were actually a part of this show, you you had a conversation with Mr. Carey on this show. Absolutely right. And shortly thereafter, he threw me out of the building. 
<laughs> so, um, but y'all remember Bray Carey. And then after he sold the radio, the television stations, he ended up getting involved in government and became an assistant to Governor Justice. At first, an unpaid assistant. And then there was trouble about that. You can't have an unpaid assistant. So they, I think he took, you know, minimum wage or something, you know, but called him Bray the intern, if you remember. Uh, but anyways, apparently developed a pretty close relationship to Governor Justice, which, as Brad McElhinney pointed out earlier, is really interesting because if you— uh, Bray Carey really went after justice during the campaign. He was did not seem to be when he was doing uh, decision makers, the predecessor to Inside Politics, which Mark Curtis now has. Uh, when Bray Carey was doing that, uh, he was not particularly kind to Governor Justice. Well, how do you fix that, Howard? Money? Yeah, borrow a little money off of them. They'll shut up. <laughs> so between one and five million from Bray Carey, and between and between one and five million from the Carey Foundation. Uh, and the, you know, my question is, why did he? What did he need the money for right at that time? He being justice, I don't know. Uh, 147 assets, 147 assets. You know, the Boo Boo Booby Company and the Hakadugi Company and the Coal Mine Extraordinaire, or whatever. 147 individual assets, almost none of which produce income. None of which producing income. They're just there. They're assets. They are value if you could sell them. But just as you talked about the property, I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody is interested in those assets, they're going to say, hey, um, I see that coal company is worth, I'm, again, making up numbers. Uh, I can see that coal company is worth $50 million. Will you take five? I mean, that's what's going to happen. And by the way, what was your salary last year? Uh, how did you do? Yeah, well, there is that. To 30, we, it's got to be embarrassing. His income is, first of all, his governor's income, which I don't know what that is and I should know, but Hundred thousand, maybe I can't remember, which which is facing garnishment, <laughs> and and then he's got thirty. He puts it on the thirty five hundred dollars for coaching basketball. I love Brad's comment. He goes, "We all kept wondering in the end, and we discover he's just a basketball coach. That's all he is." Uh, Brad's got a really good story about this, but that that Bray Carey thing really jumped out at me. So we'll uh, uh, y'all can check that out, and we may follow up on that as time goes by. Well, uh, the uh, clock is ticking on the uh, government shutdown. That's just one of the stories that uh, Tom – is that Tom? It is. One of the stories that Tom Skateri and I will talk about coming up next on the Watchdog Morning Show. Everyone appreciates the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, even Governor Justice. Howard, you're a good man, and I appreciate all you do every day. Thank you, sir. Weekdays, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Watchdog. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be one of the first people in my family to go to college. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I could still hold while I served part-time. That job, along with the benefits I got through the West Virginia Army National Guard, helped me buy my first home. I also know that I'll be one of the first to respond if the Ohio Valley ever needs me during a natural disaster. 
I'm Sergeant Andrea Gump, and if you'd like to join my team, visit www.nationalguard.com WV for more information, or check out our Instagram or Facebook at WeGuard West Virginia. If you're looking for an affordable hotel with comfortable accommodations and a friendly staff, make sure to book your stay at Sleep In and Suites in Moundsville. It's a non-smoking hotel with an experience that is comfortable and soothing. With no shortage of comfy, fluffy pillows on a cozy bed, you're sure to have a great night's sleep. They also offer complimentary breakfast, free Wi-Fi. They have tons of amenities, and they're located in the heart of Moundsville. Book a room now at sleepinmoundsville.com. Most of us are faced with uncertainty every day. Your job your finances, sporting events, schooling for your children, and so much more. With so much uncertainty surrounding you, there is one auto dealership that you can be certain about, and that's Doan Ford. You can be certain that you always get a great deal and the best service afterwards. Being in business for over 50 years has given Doan Ford the reputation of being a strong, reliable dealership. Be certain, choose Doan Ford. Online at DoanFord.com. I'm not buying till I check Dome Ford. Teachers' desks are clean, chalk is fresh, and the blackboard is ready. It's back to school time, and we're ready with you on the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. gloomy earlier. That gives me a little uh, perk up there. I like that. Joy to the world. It's joy to us all this morning. 819 on the uh, Watchdog Morning Show. Welcoming in, as always, on a Tuesday morning around this time, our national correspondent, Tom Scateri. Tom, good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, Howard. You feeling like joy to the world is your mantra of the morning? No, you got you. You slept in. You're a little. little. I overslept, man. I, I needed that music right now. <laughs> <laughs> just, Bob and I were just talking in the last segment of the show about we both are really tired these days. But I think Bob might be right. It might be that just the changing of the seasons just kind of slows me down, and I, you know, I have a tendency to just want to go home after the show and sit. Well. And, well, yeah, you know, what happened here was we had a, a big rainy weekend from that storm, which was fine, and it, it warmed up a little bit yesterday, and then it got damp. And I, last night what I tried to do, what I did was I um, turned the heater on to test it, you know, before winter comes, just to make sure it was working. And it made the house nice and cozy and snug. And, there you go. And that, there it, you it, go. It, it, it <laughs> Wrap up a little blanky, huh? That's yeah, right. yeah, that's it. And. And whether the alarm goes off or doesn't go off, you go, no, no, no. I didn't hear anything. I'm just, I'm just going to sleep. Right? I, I, I hear you. I hear you absolutely, completely. Hey, Tom, I want to ask you a personal question. Uh, everybody knows who listens to this show that you are a poet. You write poetry. How yeah. do you do that? Do you like, do you, speaking of like getting to getting nice and cozy at night, do you go into a little office someplace at night and turn the fireplace on and get out your quill pen and write poetry, or do you do it along the day? How do you do all that? There's a variation of that, and thanks for asking. And I, uh, I do it 
24-7. And what I mean by that is I've learned the hard way. And this, I started this as a reporter, by the way, too. When I would have an idea for a story or, or a, a transition in a story, which were often the most challenging parts of a news story, I would write them down immediately. You know, and then I would take it back to wherever I was writing a news story. I do the same thing um, with my poetry. I get a lot of ideas actually walking my dogs. It's a nice calming Makes time. Sense. Yeah. I've, learned, I've learned to do away with phones, everything on my dog walks, and give the walk to the dog, which someone told me about. It. It's made it a nicer experience for me. I, and when I'm parallel parked, was the other time I get ideas for both. Wait a minute. So I write, wait, hold, well, hold on a minute. When you parallel park? Right. I write most of my poems while walking my dog or parallel park. Okay, no, well. That's the idea. And then what I do is I write them down. Well, I learned my daughter, thankfully, I have children, showed me how to use my smartphone. And there's a, there's a note back, notes app or something on the phone. And I'll write down a line in that. So I, I don't lose the idea. And then I do come back to what you said. I, I don't have a fireplace, but I have a beautiful view of the woods in my backyard. And I sit where I am right now, actually, looking out. And I write my, you know, sort of write the poems on my computer there. Or if I'm on, a, you know, if I'm on a, a bus or a train or something like that, I have a notebook that I have. I write them down. I use the Notes app and then my phone. I live by that. That is where I put every single thing possible is is record. I guess it's kind of like a journal, but it's just every note, every thought I have. And as you point out, whether I'm I'm writing my sermon for the weekend or notes for the radio show, they just go straight into the app. And I've yeah. taken to using the dictation function, so I don't have to even type it. Oh. I just dictate oh. those right into the. Notes. What about when you sleep, Tom? Do you uh, do you keep a pad and pencil by your bed? That's a great question. Absolutely, absolutely, I do because I've learned that when I wake up with an idea, by the time I get to the kitchen to put the coffee on and take my dog out or whatever, I, I may lose it. So I write it down right away. Absolutely, yeah. that's 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 a good point. I wish I could do that. I wake up and I have, you know, I I dream in great detail. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. I dream like an entire novel. <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if I could wake up and just get it down, get it down, get it down, get it down. But I, I never do that. So there you now go. Now, here's an invention. It would be amazing, Howard. Is, you know, if we could put something like, you know, on our head when we fall asleep. Yeah. And it takes those dreams and makes it into, you know, a script or whatever. Uh, yeah, that, that would be. That would, wouldn't that be wild? <laughs> but you know, here, Tom, here's the, here's the either exciting or scary thing. I don't think that's far away. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> I don't yeah, think that's probably. very far away at all. All right, let's talk about some uh, national politics here uh, first. Uh, first of all, we are coming up in the near future again on another presidential debate. Trump says he's not going to take yeah. part apparently in any presidential debates. But this particular day, September 26th, is an important date in presidential debate history. Right. I, this is a, this is in 1960, September 26, 1960, the first ever debate between presidential nominees took place. In, in, in Chicago on TV between John Kennedy and, and Richard Nixon. Kennedy was the Democratic nominee for president, and Richard Nixon was the Republican nominee. First ever, you know, and, and that was a very interesting uh, debate for a lot of reasons. And it says, you know, before a national TV audience, it was also on radio. And, it, you know, I didn't watch it or listen to it. I was young then. But, you know, I've read about how when people listened to the debate on radio, they thought Nixon won. When they watched it on television, they thought Kennedy won because Kennedy looked rested, tan, refreshed, and Nixon looked, you know, five o'clock shadowish. Yeah, Nixon had the five o'clock shadow and was sweating and and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, but and, and Kennedy was the young, vibrant, you know, a preppy or whatever you want to call him. Uh, Camelot was on the rise. 
Uh, and so if you watched it, yeah, that Kennedy guy, he was the one. But if you listened, the argument goes that uh, Nixon actually made the better arguments. So it, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> it was this day in 1960, the first ever uh, presidential debate. Bob, you don't remember. And now we have a Republican debate tonight. <laughs> yes, so there you go. Absolutely right. Without Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be important and interesting to me from a presidential perspective. I know we don't always talk on this level, but today President Biden is supposed to go and walk a picket line. First time uh, ever a president's done that, right? That's correct, according to my research. Uh, in the 2020 campaign, the primary campaign, Biden and other Democratic hopefuls did join the picket line of casino workers in Las Vegas, but that was, you know, during the primary campaign. He wasn't mm -hmm. president yet. Um, the closest I can see is that Teddy Roosevelt um, invited labor leaders and mine operators to the White House during a coal strike in 1902. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't, um, he didn't walk the picket line. But, you know, it was sort of an embrace of the unions as, as Roosevelt tried to put them on equal, Teddy Roosevelt tried to put them on equal level. This is unprecedented. It is interesting, though, that, yes, Biden is going to walk the picket line and therefore figuratively show his support. But uh, Trump is going to address the auto workers, I think. Am I not correct That's about right. that? That's correct. That's correct. And, you know, and, and some, you know, some cynics say, well, this is Biden's way to offset what Trump's doing, uh, perhaps. But, you know, Biden has tried to show and has done his pro-labor bona fides on throughout his career as a politician, elected official. This is still on president and you know he's walking the line so it'll be interesting. you know people people will take what they want out of both trump and biden's appearances well but, i'm sure that biden's appearance will first of all generate some negative publicity because some people will think that he's taking the wrong side more importantly probably a lot of folks will say it's all a political stunt it's all for the cameras it's all for show um but as you point out, Biden has a long history of, of supporting the labor movement, so it's it's going to be uh, going to be interesting. It's also interesting. This is not on your notes this morning, but recent polls have shown the American public is becoming a little more amenable to unions once again. That there is a little more support for the concept of unions than there had been for a while. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't see that report, and that doesn't surprise me. It's interesting news, but it doesn't surprise me. I think that. Uh, we're seeing, you know, in the post-COVID, uh, workers are, are losing their COVID protections. In other words, uh, the things that were given to workers during COVID are ending, and a lot of them are feeling displaced. We're seeing in, in teachers, I mean, we just saw, you know, the writers in SAG, I mean, people laugh about that, but that's a union as well. They settled, uh, part of them settled with, the, with in Hollywood. Uh, so we're seeing a little bit more union agitation up and down the ranks. I think in large part because some of the big cities are experiencing uh, issues with labor and the unions are people see the unions as hey maybe we can use these again to get better benefits and secure our jobs secure our jobs yeah so it'll be interesting uh the big political story i guess is the big question mark mm -hmm. and that is we are in the midst of the countdown to shutdown uh yep. are we going to have a federal government shutdown by the end of this week well, I, I was reading a story this morning right before we came online, uh, before I you know joined the show, and it looks like the Senate is uh, heading toward what the, what the Hill was reporting as a short-term funding measure that will not include significant amounts of money for Ukraine or disaster relief. Those are two of the sticking points among many members. We have a two-pronged operation going on here, Howard. We have the Senate trying to take action and take the lead, and the House still dysfunctional. 
over everything. And whether McCarthy can cut a deal with Democrats to get short-term money, that might be the route we see. Whatever happens, I can't project. You know, from the Pentagon's perspective, uh, they're trying to ensure there's money to pay for the troops. In other words, paychecks for the troops and those families. But about half of the civilians, those are people who don't wear uniforms, and that's a, a lot of them are in the Pentagon itself. They would get furloughed in a shutdown. Um, the aid to Ukraine is going to continue to some extent because there's already money approved, you know, in the current fiscal year, so that money can still be spent. Uh, but as you point out, uh, further aid is one of the big stumbling blocks in yes. moving forward. Yes, correct. Uh, a lot of opposition to that, and it's by a lot of opposition, sorry, let me rephrase that, strong opposition to that by a smaller number of Republicans in the House, not so much in the Senate. Um, and of course, that's, you know, McCarthy has such a thin margin of majority there that he has to take that in consideration. I was, I'm not surprised by the opposition, but at some point, I think the Democrats will probably in the House will have to team up with McCarthy to get a money bill through or any of these money bills through. They can't even get the rule passed, Howard. It was after last week. Twice the Republicans in the House voted down the rule to let the defense bill come to the floor. And what that means is before a bill can come to the floor, there's a rule that's passed that sets hours at the time of debate, et cetera. These are almost pro forma votes. The Republicans vote, wouldn't let that go wouldn't through. Even that go through. They, they couldn't even get the bill to the floor. Right. The, um, you and I have talked about this almost every week for the last number of weeks. At what point does, does Kevin McCarthy say, take your damn vote? I'm going to have to lead the House the best way I can, and if it offends you, the, the far-right folks who say that, you know, you'll, you'll try and vote me out, try to vote me out. I, at what point does he finally reach that point? Yeah, I thought we were close to that last week. Uh, I was hearing sort of language from him, reading language from him, saying, I'm going to do a vote. You know, he used some strong language in the caucus reportedly, you know. Uh, I thought we were getting close to that. Uh, well, obviously, September 30th, which is Saturday, is, is Fisher cut bait time? Uh, you know, you have to have a money bill. I was remembering how in the old days, Howard, in the House, and when they were voting in the Senate, they would put um, like a, a cover over the clock, you know, so they would <laughs> it's officially end September 30th in this case. You know, they could keep acting as if it was still September 30th that the deadline hadn't passed. That was in the quote unquote good old days. Uh, I don't think we're that harmonious today to do that. He, this is, look, they weren't here yesterday because of the holiday, uh, understandably. They have four days, essentially, five if you count Saturday, if they, if they work on Saturday. They rarely work on Fridays and Saturdays, so, you know, what are they going to do? Well, they won't be, well, I guess they might be working after the shutdown, but most of the, the government won't be working after the shutdown if they don't work on Fridays or Saturdays, but that's a whole different story. Um the, 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 the part of the problem is there are so many different, um, aspects at clash here mm -hmm. you have you would think everybody would want to at least keep the government open the question then becomes simply at what level do we increase spending decrease spending where do we do it you think that would be it but you have a number of members of the house in particular who've spoken out and basically say you know look, we don't like the government anyways let us shut down it might be good to have a government shutdown yeah that's a whole you know we've heard this before and it's gotten increasingly strong and the difference now is, Howard, as, I, as, I, as we both acknowledge, you, McCarthy just has no room, very little, if any, wiggle room because of that. So these, these government shutdowners, for lack of a better word, have a lot more power now because they just can't be shunted aside or isolated or, or given 
half of what they want. They think that shutting down the government is really going to be a great thing, and they really have no concept. This is not a commentary on whether spending needs to be reined in or not or what programs need to be spent. This is a commentary on the fact that our government needs to function for many millions of Americans who they don't understand. I know I covered the Pentagon. I just outlined, you know, what would happen. The other people who will be furloughed were everybody who works for the government, you know, are in danger of being furloughed. Now, you may think that that's okay. You know, someone out there may, oh, let's shut down the government because it, it stinks. But, you know, that's your Social Security check to a lot of people. That's your Medicare and health care. That's a lot of other assistance uh, that, you know, people just take for granted in our, in our country. Again, it's not me advocating for one position or another. It's the realization of what a government shutdown really can mean in, 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 a, in a pretty short time. It's, it's a good point. I, I, I think, uh, especially to many of our actual politicians, our elected officials, it is, an, it is a philosophical, esoteric, a, a concept and what they need to do is start thinking about what's actually happening will will happen on the ground to individual people um god knows yeah. god knows i'm and, and, i'm a little concerned about social security howard, that social security thing you know and howard let me let's let you know listeners think that i'm some flaming liberal uh i'll, I'll look at it from the other side too it's as esoteric as people who say well we shouldn't have a military or defense budget right because you know we want to have world peace and you know we inter- that's just not the reality of the world either. And, and that doesn't make me a conservative. It makes me more of a realist. I guess after 30-some years of journalism, that's what I've become. Yeah, I, 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 I use that phrase, a pragmatist or a real, realist, uh, all the time. Yeah. Tom, when will this start affecting uh, tourists? Uh, you know, plan their vacation going to our uh, national uh, nation's capital uh, because they won't be able to get in, right? That's right. Some of them, you're a good point. You know, the Smithsonian museums are likely to close, okay? Uh, if, you're, if you're out of the country trying to get in, you're going to find even longer lines at customs. Uh, you know, you're very right. But this is, you know, your point is really good, Bob, about coming here to D.C. where the museums are free or national parks across the country, okay? Uh, they're likely to be closed up as well at some point. Um, you know, leaf peepers who are getting ready to go look at the leaves changing in the fall in some of the national parks. Uh, these sound like simple things, but this is part of the national government. Excellent point. And it, it is what will resonate the most uh, with an awful lot of individuals. Hey, I, I, you know, I took a field trip to D.C. to um, see the Washington Monument and uh, look at the Declaration of Independence. And when I walked up, the doors were closed. That is something that will resonate dramatically uh, with, with the rank and file, so to speak, with the average citizen. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's just that's a great point because it just shows how extensive. You know, I I didn't even think about it because I take it for granted living here in in the D.C. area. But that, that's right. So just extrapolate that across the nation to those type of things as well, and the services you expect. Yeah, you're planning to go to Yellowstone for a nice uh, fall vacation, mm-hmm. and suddenly mm-hmm. uh, you drive up, and the ranger says, uh, "You know, Yogi's in there, but you're staying out here. You can't. You can't. If there's even a ranger there. Isn't yeah, there or if there's, there's yeah, 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 just a just, just a gate closed. Just be closed. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Tom, let's talk about the Ukraine for a minute. Uh, some activity uh, in that war. First of all, yeah. uh, some of the first tanks from this country uh, that we have pledged have now arrived. The Abrams tanks are there yeah. and are. Uh, American tanks will now be set into battle under the Ukrainian uh, military, right? That's right, and they've made the deadline. I mean, if you look at Ukraine, this is almost the end of September. They probably have another good month of weather before winter starts coming. Uh, their counteroffensive or offensive, when you call it, push to the sea, 
is actually going a lot better now. They seem to be broken through the first line. If they can get these tanks into action quickly, which they probably will, it will be helpful for them to break through the second and third final lines and maybe reach the sea. That would be a great, uh, you know, military victory. Uh, this is not me picking sides. It's me, you know, being a, a military theorist here. If they can make the Black Sea before winter, that would be a major accomplishment. Uh, apparently, they have broken through the lines. And the other big news, Howard, is that the U.S. is now ready to send these long-range missiles to Ukraine. Um, somehow the Pentagon found some, Howard, in, in their inventory <laughs> that they could send. <laughs> oh, look, look, oh, look, look what we found. Yeah. I mean, I, this always amazes me how, and, you know, with the Pentagon reporters, you should sit at the briefing when we look at each other like, oh, they just found these missiles, you know, <laughs> which, of course, adds to another thing, like, where are they? And we didn't lose them. We just, you know, blah, 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 blah. But they're going to be armed with cluster munitions. These are the things that are highly lethal either to individuals if they're, you know, if they're, you know put in with, with to kill people or to design to take out uh, you know, uh, artillery and stuff in the back. These are long-range weapons. They'll be able to hit Crimea with these easily now. So the U.S. is turning over two big things right now in a crunch time. It'll be interesting to watch what's happening. Uh, for those who follow the international world, uh, the defense secretary is traveling again. Yeah, he's in Africa. This is a big deal, Howard. This is the first trip to sub-Sahara Africa by a defense secretary since 2000, since William Cohen. And incredibly, um, he has he's in Kenya right now as we speak. He was in Djibouti yesterday. This is Secretary Austin, where we have a U.S. base. The big, big moment is going to be, I think, tomorrow uh, or later today, when he goes to Angola, the first trip ever to Angola by a defense secretary, which used to be a Soviet client state. And the U.S. is looking to sign up a defense agreement with Angola, which would be a real blow to the Russians and the Chinese, who have both been angling for um, to, to have that country. The Chinese want to set a base up there on the, on the Atlantic Ocean. So this would be a big deal. It's worth, it's worth watching. This trip, Howard, was an Africa trip, was supposed to take place last spring, by the way. Um, but uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine pushed it aside. And so different countries, different trip. But Austin was determined to go, and he did. Tom, I always appreciate your time this morning, every Tuesday. Appreciate it very much. Sorry we had to wake you up. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. Thank you. I was, and we'll, we'll see if we have a government next Tuesday. Yeah, right? well, we may be talking amidst the shutdown, as far as we can know, next Tuesday. Thanks a lot for being here. Appreciate it. You're Bye-bye. Tom Scateri checking in this morning. Yeah, Bob, you hit the nail on the head. That's where people will really get irritated. Kind of like the uh, Chevy Chase vacation movie, Howard. Right. Uh, going to Wally World, but uh, the bad news is Wally World is uh, closed. It's closed. I mean, can you picture that? I'm, I'm, I'm extrapolating a bit, but like a school trip, you got a, a bus of kids, you know, 40 kids from school going to see the nation's capital. Uh, somebody just told me this week, I don't know if it's Teddy. Somebody told me they're, they're thinking about a D.C. trip. Not necessarily now, but, you know, so school kids are go. You drive in, and you discover you can't do anything. Yeah, you might want to wait on that just a little bit. So we'll find out. We'll find out by Friday. What will probably happen, I, I, almost always we come up with some kind of a stopgap measure, but they're talking about maybe a couple of weeks. And I always ask myself, what good is that? If you, for the past year, you couldn't come up with a with a a budget or a, or a financial plan, you're going to say, well, well just give us a couple more weeks and we'll make it work. What's going to happen in a couple of weeks? They're probably still talking about it. They'll be talking about it again, and they'll be saying, can we have two more weeks and so on. I, that's what I think will happen. 8.40, 22 of the hour, bring the news back home. Let's check in with the... Uh, 
Taylor Long over the Ohio Valley News Desk from WTRF-TV, and then some Joe Manchin conversation. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. I'm Taylor Long with your 7 News headlines on this September the 26th. One of our local schools recently got one of the highest honors a school can get, and officials have been celebrating ever since. At last night's Ohio County Board of Education meeting, the board took some time to honor the teachers of Ritchie Elementary School for their efforts that allow Ritchie to be named a National Blue Ribbon School. Superintendent Kim Miller praised the teachers for their ability to instill pride within their students and said they have helped put Ritchie on the map. Principal Jordan also went over some of the details on the application process. He says he's proud to be a Hornet and that he may never stop wearing that Richie blue. And Peyton City Wildcats rallied outside Magnolia High School before the Wetzel County Board of Education meeting dressed in their signature green. Students, staff, parents and community members are no strangers to the idea of reconfiguration of Peyton City High School and Magnolia High School in New Martinsville. And many have been adamant in their arguments against this move. Students brought signs, others circled in prayer, and staff took to the podium to speak, hoping that the board would decide against the reconfiguration. The decision to close Payton City High School and merge into Magnolia was not approved by the Board of Education members at this meeting. They are still gathering details, so stay with 7 News for more updates on this decision. And looking across the nation, residents of Maui are finally being allowed back to their properties following a devastating wildfire. Locals and business owners and some of the zones cleared by the EPA will be allowed to assess the destruction with escorts. Officials are providing protective equipment, including respirators and N95 masks. They warn people that neighborhoods will be unrecognizable. And at least 97 people were killed by the flames and smoke last month. That was a look at your headlines. Have a terrific Tuesday. I'm Taylor Long, working for you. West Virginia's football team had a problem last season with yellow hankies. They've found a way to fix that. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Caridi. That story and more coming up on today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. Hello and welcome to The Kroger Show. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. At Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've completely overhauled our process to shorten the time from harvest to home, giving you more time to enjoy your tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So whether you're shopping in-store, picking up, or prefer delivery, we're committed to bringing you the freshest produce possible. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Practice makes perfect, as they say. A year ago, West Virginia's football team struggled with penalties. Right now, West Virginia's committed the fewest in the Big 12. They're ranked 16th in the nation in fewest penalties. A year ago, they ranked 81. Neil Brown explains how he fixed that problem. We've invested dollars in it because we've paid to have real referees every day in spring and every day in fall camp. You know, so we've, 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 because they don't just show up on their goodwill. You know, like you got to pay them. And, uh, and so 
we've invested in that piece of it too. And I tell them to throw everything you see. And and that's really what we've done since spring because we had to get better at it. You know that that was a point where it was hurting us. And we've had we've had some ill time penalties and some ones that are frustrating to me. Like I can deal with an aggressive penalty, uh, but in a penalty like we had a late hit on punt return the other day, that, that's bad ball. You know CJ taking his helmet off, he's better than that. You know we had a late hit on kickoff return, we're better than that. Um, but we're not getting the false starts and and some of the procedure stuff that we had in the past. Now, knock on wood, um, you go down to TCU, they got all their students right behind you. They make it difficult on you. So um, we need to make sure we continue that run. That is Mountaineer head coach Neil Brown. He did address the Garrett Green injury situation during his Monday press conference. And quite simply, he said, I'm not trying to be evasive as to who will start on Saturday, but it quite literally is day-to-day as they monitor Green's progress coming back from a sprained ankle. That is today's Mountaineer Report. It is brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's healthcare demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care close to home. Developing new and exclusive services recruiting top surgeons, featuring the highest level of orthopedic surgery, improving healing, rehab time, and outcomes, offering innovative heart care through our WVU Heart and Vascular Institute, establishing outstanding urology services with a highly experienced urologist and staff, providing comprehensive world-class women's health services, and equipping the WVU Cancer Institute at Wheeling Hospital with cutting-edge science for the highest standard of care. We embody the Mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care at the right place at the right time. The coffee is brewed, phone lines are open, and the morning team is ready to roll. From the Robinson Auto Group Studios, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Step right up. Before the show begins, my friends, stand in line, get your tickets, I hope you will Just bet you by golly, wow. I don't know if that's the actual title, but yeah, I think yeah. you got it. Okay, okay. And who, who's, I should know who's singing this, I don't. Uh, this would be Blue Magic. Okay, I played this when I was a big-time rock and roll radio disc jockey back in the old so days. So did Bob Rockwell. So, <laughs> did, did Bob Rockwell, yeah. Uh, 847, 13 to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Temperature hasn't moved much at all. 59 at the airport, 58 at the Highlands, 60 uh, in Elm Grove, and still 58 here, Bob, or are we moving around at all? We are exactly at 58 degrees. 58 degrees, haven't moved much at all here. Uh, 58 degrees, Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling, in the heart of the Ohio Valley. I guess probably two big stories we've talked about this morning. One has been the story coming out of Ohio County Schools where uh, one of their employees had um, commingled, apparently, his Twitter viewing with the school's Twitter account, the Ohio County Schools Twitter account, and he was viewing, well, some questionable items that probably shouldn't have been on a school account. Uh, there were some, uh, uh, there was some flesh involved. Uh, the school system caught it. They deleted it. Uh, they apologized for it profusively, and the um, 
and the uh, the employee is uh, no longer with the system. Remember those early uh, years together, you and I, Howard, down on uh, 16th Street, when occasionally I would cause you some problems with the internet, and they would throw me off. Yes, and, I uh, do. You remember those days, Howard? Uh, yes, I do remember those those days. I had two people who caused me more internet trouble. You were one. Ryan Patrick was the other guy. He just couldn't keep his... Anyway. I thought it was like a CB, Howard. I thought I could say whatever I wanted breaker, to say. Breaker, breaker, one nine. <laughs> uh, you would call people out on there. Oh, filthy language, yes. <laughs> oh, do I remember that? Uh, yes, I do. I, I, I certainly do. The other big story uh, of the morning, I think, is the one Brad McElhinney and I talked about in the, last, the first hour of the show. Uh, after 151 days, and I think it's important to take note of that, Senator, uh, Governor Justice finally filed his Senate finance can, uh, report. When you, uh, when you become a senatorial candidate, you're supposed to file a financial report. That was back in May when he officially said, I'm running. And he was, that's when the report should have been filed, but he didn't. Uh, then they let him have until I think it was August, maybe maybe July, and then August, and then eventually September. And it was uh, two days ago was the last deadline. And we talked about this yesterday. He missed the last deadline. And then late yesterday afternoon, Justice finally filed his um, uh, campaign finance. It's not really. I guess it is a campaign financial disclosure report for the U.S. Senate. What we learned were. He has a mountain of assets. He's got, he owns a lot of stuff. The stuff isn't producing any income. It's just, it's just stuff. There's, there's a company there. It's valued at something, but it's not producing any income. Uh, he has a little bit of income coming in. Well, $3,500 for coaching basketball. And then uh, he's got debt upon debt upon debt. The intriguing one is two separate loans. To Governor Justice back in 2021, one from Bray Carey, the one-time TV uh, mogul, and then for a while a, 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 a assistant to the governor in his office. Uh, one of the loans was from Bray Carey. The other was from the Bray Carey Foundation. Uh, in each case, the range is one to five million. It could be, therefore, it could be a total of two million, could be a total of ten. Not sure, but Bray Carey loaned that kind of money to the governor. And I still, the question I still have is, what did he need the money for? Why are you asking Bray for for some bucks? Um, but the but the interesting thing to me, Bob, is that I I think I don't think he wanted this stuff out. I don't think he wanted anybody to see this. Yeah, and Howard, way, way early in the game, you brought it up that, look, Governor, you know, if you would have put every all your business dealings in a trust, trust. you would not uh, be, be dealing with this right now. And he has to think about that probably every day he wakes up. Why did I do that? You know, he it, there, was, there was an arrogance involved. Uh, I'm Jim Justice. I'm a billionaire. I'm the richest man in the state. I'm a successful businessman. And that's the mantra that he had, and that's the mantra that he convinced the state he had. Um, and so I don't need, you know, I, these are my companies. I don't put, if I put them into a blind trust, I won't have any idea. I have no control. I have no nothing. So he didn't put him in a blind. I think he put a couple, I think he put a few, but basically all of his businesses and he said, don't worry, but I won't be involved. I won't be involved. The kids will run it. Jay and what was his daughter's name? I can't remember. They'll, they'll run things and I'm just going to be here and be governor. But what it did was it opens up all of this stuff to 
everybody now gets to look at it and to recognize that the one-time richest man in the state, it could be could be coming down into the poorest regions. He's not down with you or me yet, Bob, I don't think, but still, he's he's he's, uh, he's certainly come down from where well, he And was. we don't have his debt either, Howard. We don't have banks on our ass saying, when are you going to pay us? You know, the one great thing about being of my age and being near retirement and so on, it is not that I get Social Security, although I hope it doesn't stop. Uh, it's not that my wife has a great pension. I am really happy she has that. That's not what it is. You know what it is? We have no debt. We have no debt. House paid off. Car paid off. Kids are through school. All, we have no debt. A debt for minimal credit card debt. That's just month to month. You know, I use that's it. Teddy. That's Teddy. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. That's Teddy. Um, that's the that's the great stress reliever. So think about Jim Justice. He's got mountains and mountains of debt on his shoulders, and it looks like he's got no real way to pay it off. Well, maybe, Howard. Call Bray? Well, I was thinking a long-distance uh, call. Saudi Arabia is what I was thinking, Howard. Hey, remember me? You play golf down here. I think that's still going to be an issue. Uh, in in uh, Brad McLean's story this morning, uh, the DSCC, Democratic Senate Campaign Committee, has asked a number of questions. Uh, one of them is they say they want to know three things about the governor's report. Who were any previously unnamed lenders or financers in his business dealings? We now know at least one. It was Bray Caring. The key thing is, would the filing show any foreign investment in Justice's financial structure? Would the filing show any foreign investment at all? And finally, is Justin's personal wealth truly tied up in businesses themselves? And that's a good question, which I don't even know from looking at what Brad has reported. How much of his personal money is wrapped up in the businesses themselves? So those are questions the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee is asking. And I'm still waiting to hear what Alex Mooney is going to say, uh, battling him uh, in, the, in the primary. Uh, six till the hour here, Watchdog Morning Show. The Highland Sports Complex is the Ohio Valley's most exciting place to play. A state-of-the-art facility offering fun for the whole family with a climbing wall, arcade, indoor turf, hardwood courts, classes and camps for kids and adults. Plus, you can take a break in the on-site cafe. Learn more online at hitthehighlands.com or better yet, stop in and visit the Highlands Sports Complex at the top of the hill off I-70. Ready, set, go get your Toyota today. Check out Toyota's wide range of all-wheel and four-wheel drive vehicles, like a sporty Camry or a stylish Corolla, both with great MPGs. Or come in and test drive a new RAV4, Highlander, or Corolla Cross, each with plenty of cargo room, so you can be ready for any adventure. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals. Hurry, offers end April 4th. Toyota, let's go places. Hello, Ohio Valley. This is Kate Delaney inviting you to join me overnight here on The Watchdog. Whether it's talking to big names in entertainment or sports, discussing the latest political news, or just chatting about life, I'll be here to keep you company on The Watchdog. WVLY AM 1370, FM 97.7, or online at watchdog.com. A new school year welcomes us in. It's back to school time. And we're here with you on The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Happy, 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 happy. Flowers in her hair. 
Big story last week, uh, almost every day, was the big bridge story. Uh, I, I had people ask me about it all weekend long. Everybody say, have you been to the bridge yet? Have you been to the bridge yet? No, I haven't been to the bridge yet. But, uh, you know, maybe I, I, Nancy and I were going to take a drive up there, our sa- Saturday drive, but we didn't do that. I want to get up and just drive across the bridge. The uh, Intel, Derek Redford, the Intel, did a piece uh, over the weekend, I think it was. I have the story here. I'm not sure exactly when they published it. Uh, the pros and cons of the new Ohio River Bridge. And 80% of everything is oh, how positive it is connecting Ohio to West Virginia, opening up the West Virginia side in particular to more development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But there were a couple of folks who did raise some questions, and I think somewhat legitimate. Uh, Sean Strasozik is a uh, patrolman for the Wells Township Police Department, and he said the bridge has pros and cons. Uh, on the one hand, the bridge heavily reduces interstate driving times. It makes it easier. On the other hand, it just now makes it easier for drug dealers to get across, which I guess is, you know, true. I mean, I, I, that would be true of any bridge or any highway, but I, I get his point. Let your presence be known, Chief. He said adding the drug and human traffickers, uh, he said drug and human traffickers tend to use major highways for their operations, and so this would be a little speedier way for them to get from, west, from Ohio to West Virginia. Uh, which, again, I, 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 I suppose is true. The other point, which I hadn't thought about, you know, what is not yet completed, I don't think is completed, is the there's a bike trail on the bridge. But a couple of the residents in the article in the Intel said, what's the bike trail for? To cross the river. And then you get to, uh, well, yeah, except you get to uh, West Virginia and there's no 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 connection there. There's no biking there. Maybe that's coming next. Huh? Maybe that's coming What's the coming next? Uh, this is uh, Jason Sanders, a Steubenville resident, just a resident, said, um, what's the sense of having a bike lane if you can't ride on Route 2 or Route 7? Now, actually, somebody help me. The, there, there actually is a pedestrian bike trail right there, right? I thought so, yeah. Uh, just a bike trail. Not, it's not on the, you don't go on to Route 2, but I think there's a bike trail. I don't, I don't know how far up the river it goes, but I think that's it. Anyway, I don't think these are whiners or complainers. I think these are people who are just saying, you know, there's some things to think about about the new bridge. But I will uh, – I'll, I'll try to get up there and take a ride around at some point or another. Coming up next hour, an interesting article I came across. Zachary Roth has written this in um, – actually, he's writing for a service that provides news to the Ohio Capital Journal that I often quote – and to WV Watch, West Virginia Watch, that I often quote. We had uh, Amelia Nicely on from them just last week. Uh, anti-democratic moves by Republican lawmakers across the country raise fears for the 2024 election. He's going to join us coming up in the next hour. And uh, Senator Manchin still teasing what he's going to do. I don't think he knows what he's going to do, but we'll tell you what he had to say in Texas coming up in the next hour as well. ABC covers the world right now here on the Watchdog Morning Show, where it's 9 o'clock. There's one little power in my hand. But I knew. Watchdogs. FM 98.1. AM 1600. WKKX Wheeling. FM 97.7. AM 1370. WVLY Moundsville.